time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jaja, call me, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey! This is escape? Then where the pod? Here's the Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we have our What Happened Quinlan Voss episode today. Quinlan Voss is a great character from Star Wars The Clone Wars, and uh, he is our next candidate for the What Happened subseries. So, if you haven't tuned into our What Happened subseries before, it's all about every single canon appearance that a character's made and their character arc. We just get into it fully fledged, beginning to end. It's going to be awesome. But let's start off with some Star Wars news, new merchandise, other stuff to talk about, Snoop Dogg and Mando armor. Let's talk about it. Another happy landing. We got our co-host Blake on the show, and as Quinlan Voss would say, Hey, Commander, looking good? Hello there, my little friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one thing about Quinlan Voss that I actually kind of like. I don't know, maybe some people hated it, but they turned him into such a surfer dude. And yeah, I just thought it was really quite funny because there were some, some moments that he had some lines where... You know, to me, I was just like, man, that's like, that pulls off so well. Like, <laughs> it's hey, the hair, you know right? Oh, yes, the hair is like, yeah. Commander looking good. Kenobi, you're a little worse for wear. Let's <laughs> make him super West Coast. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Server hair. It, kind of his whole outfit looks like he could be at the beach, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Which, yeah, it looks like he I just guess... came up off the Malibu coast or whatever. Yeah, well, he's not in his Jedi robes. A lot of people don't know. A lot of people don't know that he's was originally in the Phantom Menace in the background. Yeah, that's um, that's one of his appearances that um, definitely worth a mention. Uh, It it doesn't really add a whole lot of story, but um, I'd like to know the story as to what he was doing back there. And I do have the uh, the Star Wars archives book upstairs in my place, and it's the uh, the one published by Tashin, written by written by uh, Paul Duncan. It's a beautiful book i think i've shown you them before they're like massive thick things they're they're these amazing monuments to each trilogy there's two of them there's a big red one for the prequels and a big black one for the originals and uh i think i came across a picture or a a page where it did mention something about that cameo uh if it's not that book then it was another book but it is like acknowledged that this character kind of originated from that movie is just this background Jedi. And there's all these theories that people have as to like, how come Qui-Gon didn't just like sense him in the force and like go to him for aid when, yeah, go to him for aid when they needed like the parts for the ship to get off Tatooine and this and that. And, you know, it's just like having a Jedi master would have been pretty helpful at that point in time. But, you know, especially when you got a, yeah, especially when you got a Sith Lord tracking down the queen and trying to kill her and stuff, you know, it could have been a little useful. And they're stranded on Tatooine without parts for their ship. 
<laughs> does, yeah, exactly. Does he just dislike Quinlan Voss so much that he'd rather be stranded and try to swindle <laughs> Watto instead of talk to him? Well, I know Kenobi doesn't have the best relationship with Voss, so maybe maybe he gets it from Qui Gon. Yeah, maybe maybe Qui Gon's the one that's like, "Hey, Kenobi, you know, you know that that Quinlan Voss don't like him, don't like him one bit, Kenobi. You go your whole life and just ignore the man." <laughs> Just tell him to stay away from him. That's what that's yeah, the origin yeah. of why Obi-Wan doesn't like Quinlan. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I actually I would give a time code as to where he is uh in that movie, but uh I, I, I actually don't It's so don't fast. Know. You're just like blink and you'll miss it. it. It is really quick, yeah. And he's just kind of sitting there, he's chilling at uh at a table in a cantina, kind of I think it's around the scene where Jar Jar steals the little Gooby Gooba or whatever it's called, <laughs> the, yeah, the creature right. on the rope. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, like, like it's like one of those. Yeah, it's one of those scenes where little Annie and Jar Jar and all them were like walking through the streets of of uh, uh, what is it, Moss Espa, Moss Eisley. Um, so, Moss Espa, yeah. I think. Yeah, Moss Espa. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's one of those. It's one of those. Um, yeah, Moss Espa. Yeah, it's one of those uh, uh, scenes. <clears throat> But and anyway, was it not uh, even George who decided to be a Jedi? I don't know if this was a rumor or somewhere I read like yeah. years ago, but I thought it was Marvel or whoever was doing the comics at the time just like picked him out right. like, randomly yes. out of the background and was just like, we're going to make a, a Jedi series about that's kind of dark. This this uh, this Jedi who became Quinlan Voss, who's got this weird ability to like sense the history of objects. Yeah, and, psychosis. Yeah, yeah. And then he... Uh, it's about him struggling with falling to the dark side. Yeah, there was a really good, um, uh, really good Clone Wars uh, series, the original Clone Wars series that takes place in Legends, and uh, it, it was kind of stylized and based on the Clone Wars Gandhi series, like the two D Clone Wars series. And uh, this was the the Clone Wars series that was published by Dark Horse back in the day. Yeah, that's what um, it was. The one that ran for like nine volumes or whatever it was. It was like a ton. It was they did a lot. Uh, so yeah, they, they had a whole storyline that was then adapted later when they did the Canon Clone Wars series, which was the CG series and on Cartoon Network. And, uh, those scripts were never, never published as episodes because Disney bought the company and all this and that canceled Clone Wars. Yes, we do have a finale, but we have a lot of missing episodes that never got finished. And uh, a bunch of those episodes were adapted into a novel called Dark Disciple. So we're going to get into all of that stuff when we talk about, uh, Quinlan Voss in a bit, but uh, let's start off with some Star Wars news, shall we? We got another uh, week yeah. of bring home the bounty. Uh, week two on the advent calendar. Uh, so what do we got here? What do we got here? What do we got here? Have you taken a look at this? This uh, is uh, on it right now. Week two. Week two. Yeah, bring home the bounty. We got uh, we, uh, we got some dark saber kyber crystal. Uh, Kyber crystal necklaces, uh, what are the a Mandalorian robe, uh, another Bandai Ronin Mandalorian Grogu, like a samurai looking statue. Yeah, thing. there's like a medieval version of, or like a samurai version. Yeah, Mando pushing Baby Yoda in a stroller. <laughs> They've done a few of those now. I remember that was kind of a popular thing a couple of years ago. They did like Darth Vader and and. Uh, uh, Boba Fett and, and a all samurai. That, so. Yeah, 
Yeah, this is just the latest one of their collection. But yeah, the Bandai. Look for the Bandai uh, uh, Samurai Star Wars stuff, and you'll find a whole bunch of things online. Oh, George Lucas' Stormtrooper armor. Oh, how could we forget? Yeah, uh, the Hasbro 6-inch George Lucas in Stormtrooper disguise action figure is uh, is hitting the shelves. Did Uh, George ever play a Stormtrooper in the background in the original movie? No. <laughs> but this uh, this is a this is a six inch recent adaption of an old action figure that came out in the three point uh, three or three point seven five inch or the three and three quarter inch action figures, uh, and uh, that one, I think it came out like close to twenty years ago now. It was it was a while ago. <laughs> so this is just the 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 re the reissued version. But uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I like what Bryce said about it. I mean, he said like, because I was kind of excited when I saw this. I was like, oh man, a George Lucas action figure. It's like, yeah. it's the closest we're going to get. And he's like, nah, I want the George Lucas action figure that's got the turkey gobble on this chin and the, the plaid <laughs> shirt and the gray hair and the, you know, this and that. Yeah, he's going like- on and on and on. And I'm like, Oh yeah, he's aged a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bryce wanted the 2012 through 2021 version of George Lucas. <laughs> yeah, not the 1990s version of George Lucas. Yeah, anyway, this this six inch replicates him from uh, from 1983. I'm surprised but... they did that. 1983 George <laughs> Lucas. Yeah, it, I mean, it looks like a younger version of him, right? He's still he's got the gray hair, so maybe that's not maybe that's not uh, maybe 1990. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the guy aged a lot faster than he needed to, but um, yeah, it's it's cool though. I, I don't know if I if I see it on the show. It's got the fifty year Lucasfilm badge on the on the card. Wow. You know, if I see it, maybe I'll pick it up. Is the original George Lucas action figure like was it really exclusive back in the day? Uh, I I can't remember. I I only read about it in passing as I was just kind of breezing about looking for information on this this thing in the first place but mm-hmm. uh it's a good question yeah i mean you know anyone who sees it should probably snag one up because you never know when you're going to get another george lucas action figure so that's true yeah yeah well i know what i'm and getting to everyone for christmas <laughs> <laughs> well you know you know the thing about these action figures is that they can be really hard to find in the first place especially up here in canada and uh you know down uh down across the border it's a little easier time but it's um regardless these things like once they're gone they're gone you know like i, I remember when we came uh, across one of those darth revan action figures in a, in that in toy traders and the like amazing shop and uh then didn't get it and then gone and now it's like a hundred dollar item on ebay kind of thing it's just brutal so uh some other vintage action figures here. We got an, a Star Wars Lego Imperial Light Cruiser. That's pretty neat. And I, think, uh, I don't think that's new. That's been out a while. Oh yeah. Oh okay. All right. It's from uh, oh, hey. Gentle Giant Empire Strikes Back Yoda Legends and Three Dimensions bust, as well as an Attack of the Clones Padme Amidala Premier Collection statue. That one's pretty cool. She's got her ripped shirt and the fallen pillar and. Slinging a blaster in the Geonosian arena. It's, it's with the, oh, the yeah. Nexu scars on her back. Yeah, that's so pretty cool. So you just cool. got to get a, ne- a Nexu action figure for a little scene. Yeah. 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 Anyone who collects the uh, the uh, the gentle giant stuff, you know, this is a pretty neat one. They recently came out with a whole bunch of Clone Wars stuff too. So that's that's a, that's a good one to add to the collection. 
But uh, that summarizes. Um, Hold Brown on, just Bounty. one more worth mentioning here, and it's the Gentle Giant Luke Skywalker concept jumbo figure. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, nice find. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one. That's pretty cool. Um, it's Eighty bucks. Wow. So he kind of has a gas mask going on. The uh, the Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, lots of cool stuff. You know, it's pretty neat what they're doing. Like every week, uh, new new announcements of, of stuff coming out that you can get all the way up until the Book of Boba Fett. So you know, keeps us fans intrigued. We like buying Star Wars stuff, and uh, you know, it's like the 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 tax on Star Wars fans. It's just like there's something you just gotta have. <laughs> you just gotta buy it. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, That's how it works. Yeah. Um, let's talk a moment for about, uh, about this origin story coming up first, the high Republic. It's called, before we move storm. on from the merch, I have one question for you. It's kind of not related to this, but I want to know if this ever existed. Cause I might've missed it. Yeah. Did they ever release the, the metal case version of rise of Skywalker? Uh, yeah. The, like the steel book. Yep. Yeah. They did. That was the thing. Yeah. They did. I yeah. Think I yeah. It. The, the, Oh, did you? I think so. Ooh, ouch. Uh, it's probably still floating around. I don't know. All um, right. Well, there we go. I thought that might have just skipped that one for some reason. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that one did come out. I, um, yeah. Well, maybe yeah, it I got it. It's buried in your boxes somewhere. It's possible. <laughs> so go take um, a look. All right. Let's, we got it. We got a special clip coming up pretty soon, uh, of, uh, of a special performance from one of our favorite singers. We're going to get into that in a sec as well, but we're going to hit that at 20 minutes. So let's talk a moment about the origin story of Markion Road, the Star Wars High Republic Eye of the Storm number one. It is hitting shelves in January and is going to be telling us the origin story of Markion Row or Markion Row, the menacing leader of the Nihil in the High Republic and enemy of the Jedi. Uh, he's neither a Sith nor a gangster, but a ruthless marauder with a thirst for power. And, uh, this is all about his origin story. So you can pick up issue number one in January. And I know you and I have both been keeping on top of at least most of the higher public stuff. I mean, uh, we've let some of the comics slip by and, uh, the more recent junior novels we haven't read yet, but we've read all the staple stuff and all the stuff from wave one of, uh, of uh, phase one from earlier this year. And, uh, you know, I think we both kind of concluded it's it's a good thing for Star Wars, you know, new era and all this stuff. It's been nice to kind of read something fresh. Yeah, right? it's been really fun, actually. I, I, I've enjoyed yeah. it more than I thought I would. Uh, I feel like they have actually done a good job trying to bring a good feel to the to that era. Because I know when you watch the prequels, it's hard to think before that what would they've done that would have been interesting unless you go all the way back right. to the kotor era but like there's kind of that thousand year range where if like you know there's all peace and justice I mean, other than yeah. maybe fighting some pirates it didn't seem like a whole lot would be going on yeah yeah it's like uh, you know you get a thousand years of of apparently no sith around and it's you start to wonder well what did the jedi do that whole time and mm -hmm. so now it's like we get an era that's 200 years before the Phantom Menace that's now all going to lead up into the Acolyte, which is going to be a Disney Plus show in a couple of years. And that'll take place about 50 years before Phantom Menace. So it's all going to be a very cool uh, lead up to that show. 
And anyone who's reading High Republic, uh, you know, is not going to regret it, I hope, uh, because, you know, I really hope they do take advantage of the fact that the, the Acolyte is in that era still. And um, maybe they'll bring in some familiar characters and faces and all that. So that would be, or maybe reference some events that happened in the books. Uh, that would be really awesome. So, so let we'll, me ask you, we'll looking at this artwork, is this how you pictured Markeon Rowe? Uh, well, I mean, I've seen him in the comics before with the helmet on. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I did not picture him with a uh, very long, long luscious, uh, yeah, <laughs> long flowy black hair as if he's just a Adam Driver's brother or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he kind of does look like Adam Driver. Yeah. He's got yeah, lower, I don't know. It's like, and he's got like wasted a, pants. He's got a, he's, he's got a big, huge, um cloak on and a shoulder pad that's got thorns on it so he looks pretty menacing he looks too ripped in my head i always pictured this like scrawny spindly nerdy kid you like that kid in your high school or in your class that was always like really like lanky but like sh short tempered and kind of kind of wily right that's how i pictured him Okay. All right. It's, yeah. So instead, this guy kind of looks like the class hunk who plays for the football team. <laughs> they, you know what I look at when I see this cover is uh, I think of the uh, like these uh, '80s published uh, fantasy novels. Like that. That's what that artwork looks like to me. With this like yellow glowing sword. I know it's a lightsaber, but it's like. It just kind of has this vibe about it. And the, like in the background, it's like rainy and overcast. And there's like a city in the background made out of like what looks like a mountain or a stone or something like that. I don't know. I'm getting really like real fantasy vibes from this cover for some reason. Yeah, I could see this being some sort of fantasy novel, like, yeah. like the cover art from the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah for totally. Sure. Like, like Brian Sanders and like yeah. the Wheel of Time kind of thing. Like, yeah, the artwork kind of reminds me of that. Uh, so yeah, January we're gonna get, and it's mini series, so it should last maybe four to five issues long, and it'll tell us the origin of the villain that we've been reading all about. So that's kind of neat. Um, real quick, this is the next thing on the list before we hit Snoop Dogg. Uh, I just want to mention there's a new Lego Star Wars game coming out on the Apple Arcade, and uh, it's the first social action adventure title in the franchise. Uh, it's basically like an MMO, but for kids, and you make a character. It's based in the Star Wars galaxy, of course, not the canon galaxy and the Lego galaxy. Um, and uh, it's pretty much Star Wars inspired and is supposed to be just like this social action adventure game uh, exclusively on mobile. So, you know, if you have an Apple device, uh, you'll not only be able to play uh, the new Lego Star Wars Battles game, I believe, which is the one that's coming out ex exclusively on that platform, but you'll also be able to play this one as well. <laughs> Um, as long as you have the arcade subscription. So, yeah, Apple's really dumping a lot of money into the Star Wars Lego license. <laughs> uh, I guess uh, they see some some value in in that audience. Well, I definitely so. see it. I know as a kid, that's kind of what I always wanted because this is before yeah. like they, the original Star Wars Lego games. Lego like, Star Wars is like... Yeah, well, yeah, exa and, and like Lego Star Wars is the audience, like the age that has all that stuff. Like they've they're mm -hmm. really into their iPads and really into their mobile games and stuff like that. I remember when I was that age, like the iPod Touch was like the best thing known to man. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, it's it's the perfect platform to be releasing this on. For That's sure, a good point. They're hitting their the, their direct audience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, now uh, we got a special 
little clip here from uh, from a new music video by Snoop Dogg. And uh, the news headline is Snoop Dogg cosplays as Star Wars Mandalorian in new music video. So uh, be sure to Google that. Let's listen to a sample here. When I pull up, what happened? People gather around me like an ice cream truck. No cap. People always ask me what I do for a lid. What you do? I wear many hats. I'm something like lid. I love liquor and sex. sex. Booty and breasts. breasts. A couple stretch marks and cellulite on her flesh. She got her legs open like a field goal pile. Booty softer than the King Hawaiian roll. All right, so uh, Snoop Dogg's not really my thing. I, I got to say, that was a lot of bleeps. That was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot of bleeps. <laughs> I, you know, Snoop Dogg's one of those guys that's like, he's been rapping and what, you know, whatever he does. He's been in a bunch of movies as well. Uh, have mm-hmm. you seen any movies with Snoop Dogg? Yeah, I watched Soul Plane. Uh, I've seen, oh man, there's one, one film I really liked. Uh Black Dynamite, he was in that movie. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him in quite a few stuff. Just because he's been in the film industry for years and years now. Oh, right. uh, he was uh, in Starsky and Hutch, the remake. Okay. Yeah, you know he's 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 a character. Um, I've seen some interviews with him as well, and and uh, he's a he's a funny guy. I just I I, I don't I I can't really mentally comprehend music like this i guess it's just not really my jam um but i think it's amusing that maybe he's got a star wars fan in him somewhere because his new music video not only is he dressed up as the mandalorian but he's flying a ship in space that wings pop out and on those wings have giant subwoofers and he's just playing this music and the song is called big subwoofer so yeah, you know, if you can put up with the lyrics, uh, check this video out because it's quite amusing. Um, it's different. <laughs> it's different. So, yeah. yeah it's um, fun, though. I, I'm really impressed because, like, they what they did is they kind of modified the uh, the look of the Mando, of his armor. Yeah, the, ra- like, the Razor Crest. Or, or the armor, yeah. The yeah. armor, yeah. They kind of Snoop Dogged it. So he's got, like, his emblems and stuff on the shoulders and stuff. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, and I found it kind of funny, though, just like quickly going through the music video that this is no Star Wars aliens. They're all like these really generic aliens. And then <laughs> right. there's a, the dancer, dancer girl, she just like has her, her breasts out with nipple covers and looks a little bit like, man, what's that Schwarzenegger movie? Oh, you mean uh, Total Recall? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, oh, James Cameron's Avatar. The Yeah. The- the Pandorans make, uh, or the Pandorans make a appearance in this. There's a was, Pandoran <laughs> with a very slave Leia looking bikini on. I know. Like it's, I kind, it's kind of just a mashup that. of. <laughs> it's like a mashup of just his favorite sci-fi movies, and without violating any 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 trademarks. Maybe I don't know. The Avatar one's pretty close to. Same as the Mandalorian one. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's like it's like borderline. Like, could he be sued for this? 
<laughs> There's got to be it, some level of, I guess because it's it's parody, you can get away with it. That's kind of the trick. Uh, the background singer friend, he's he's also he's wearing a fin jacket. He's got the red oh, shoulder really? with the yellow. Yeah, he's wearing a fin jacket, just like the brown leather coat. Or I should call it a Poe jacket. Technically, it's Poe's jacket. Ice cubes in this music video at the very end. Total like Recall sling- is the movie. Total Recall. Right. That's the one. Yeah. So I had no idea Ice Cube's in this as well. Ice Cube's in it. Uh, he's slinging some sort of blaster around. He's wearing his shades, even though it's sunny out, even though it's like dark inside. <laughs> um, it's it's fun. funny. It's, it's, it looks like it was fun to film. Um, yeah, I think they were really into it too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like they had a good time, so that's that's cool. I had no idea that Snoop Dogg was like a big Star Wars fan, um, but uh, yeah, I guess he is. Uh, maybe we'll see him show up in The Mandalorian at some point. Yeah, this is going to be one of those crossovers that people just wouldn't expect, like Bill Burr showing up, right? Yeah, years yeah. of slamming Star Wars, and then he winds up playing like a side character. <laughs> Do you wonder like, if this is Snoop Dogg's like sneaky bid to like be in a, one of the maybe a Mandalorian episode or something? Later? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe there's going to be a scene where a bunch of Mandalorians take off their helmets and he just he's just one of them and he does, yeah. has no lines or anything. He just takes off a helmet and boom, Snoop Dogg, right? And then uh, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. This is my brother Snoop over here. <laughs> Why not? It could he's, be fun. He's one of the Mandalorians. You could have his own clan. <laughs> the Snoop clan? From Clan Dog. <laughs> <laughs> clan Dog. <laughs> yeah. Snoop Dog's clan, Clan Dog. Yeah. All right. So uh, last month, Disney Plus announced that the uh, there would be a Boba or that Boba Fett would be the subject of a new special set uh, to debut on. Friday, November 12th, which is also Disney Plus Day for any of you guys who didn't know that, uh, though did not provide a title at the time. Wait, 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 wait. Disney Plus has a day? <laughs> yeah, Disney Plus Day. Yep. I, I had no idea that was a thing either. Uh, but apparently it's the day that they release a bunch of stuff and it's like a self-promotion kind of day that they just advertise themselves online as like, it's Disney Plus Day and this and that and whatever, you know, sign up, get a week is free there- or whatever. Yeah, is there merch or they're giving out? No, it's just like, like a day that they self-recognize themselves, you know. I feel like that's every day with these <laughs> multi-billion dollar companies. What are these, white clay work? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's Disney Plus Day lineup confirms that there's a, this special has officially been titled as Under the Helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett. So uh, it's a promotional video hyping up Disney Plus Day that was teasing that there would be this behind the scenes of the character. And uh, it's called Under the Helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett. So um, I don't know. It's It's got the colon in there. So maybe we'll have an Under the Helmet of the Legacy of Din Djarin when this Mandalorian show is over and done with. Uh, who knows? But yeah, The Legacy of Boba Fett, kind of cool. We're going to probably have interviews with Jeremy Bullock, Daniel Radcliffe. That's just my guess. Tamar Morrison's obviously going to be in there as well. Uh, you know, all the all the actors that have played Boba Fett over the years, I would imagine, uh, would probably make an appearance in this. Uh, maybe even the people who came up with the concept design for the character and, you know, uh, who knows? Cool. You know, it could be pretty neat. Like, there might even be some clips with George talking about Boba Fett and, you know, like, I don't, I never understood why the fans liked him so much. 
Because they look cool in a jetpack. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to kind of just how far he's come because originally he was just yeah. a background character. Yeah, and George treated him like a background character because he kind of was, right? Like he's kind of this side character, but the fans just thought he was so cool, right? He's like yeah. the, the guy with the jetpack and all the weapons and everything, and he's got a helmet and he talks real sweet, and you know he's like the the bad boy kind of character, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we all like no that name. character. Yeah, the, a- the mystery man. Yeah, yeah, it's just people like that, right? And that's yeah, kind of the. Then- the it's it the was premise the that Mando is based on, mm-hmm. right? It's the premise oh, that yeah. Din Djarin is, yeah. Yeah, and it was funny that it even got to the point where if anything changed about Boba, people got really mad. So when the prequels came out and they revealed Boba was a clone and they showed him as a kid and you saw what his face looked like, a lot of fans got really mad. Yeah. Because they, they, <laughs> they preferred not knowing who he was. Yeah, it's like, that is not a person under that helmet. <laughs> yeah. They just got really yeah. mad because now Django like stole all his fame because Boba's just a clone. Yeah. <laughs> and then I feel like George, George in his classic like cashing in on anything that you know could make money, and he just yeah. sees like the possibilities with. He takes yeah. Boba, this fan favorite, and then he clones him millions and millions of times. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. it, can't, it can't go wrong. People are gonna love it. It's like yeah. a million Boba Fets. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you know I, I'd love to ask George that question too because of course the Clone Wars have always has always been said even before Boba Fett was a thing right but there was no designated character at the time I imagine back in seventy seven as to who the clone would be right like who the template clone was going to be and then I guess maybe you know Return of the Jedi and Empire came out and he was like well people like that character let's just make him you know like <laughs> yeah. the guy. <laughs> It's kind of I have mixed, mixed feelings about it. On one hand, I think it makes Boba more interesting. On the other hand, I think it makes the whole universe feel a little bit smaller. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I mean, it's just like the nature of Star Wars, though, right? Like, it's this very tightly integrated story about this one family going through all these problems, mm. and and so you know, it kind of, I guess, I guess the Fett legacy is kind of wrapped up into that big story and all the connections and this and that, but. Um, yeah, you know, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's been yeah. so many years at this point since even Sith came out that I don't. I guess I don't even think twice about it anymore. No, but, I agree. Um, like, yeah, his fan favorite character. I mean, you know, it's obviously going to be a, a cash in on that one and getting yeah. Django to kind of. It, it is funny to think though that this is a this is a full galaxy. There's billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of people. Trillions, right, yeah. It would keep running into the same like six family lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a coincidence. Right? It's almost like they didn't want to spend more time making props and characters. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it'll be cool to see that. And, you know, appropriately enough that this comes out at November 12th because uh, it's only a month later uh, that uh, we're going to have the book of Boba Fett coming out. So I feel like this is also a way that Disney is not only trying to hype up their service on Disney Plus Day by coming out with a fan favorite character behind the scenes video, but then also kind of porting them into the next month where they have the book of Boba Fett coming out on the platform. So they've thought it all out, you know, they've thought it all out, but uh to us subscribers at home, we're all just waiting for this stuff to come out and, you know, sitting there with our popcorn on the couch, just uh, wondering why we're paying for all the months in between. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and lastly, on the uh, the news list, we have uh, Secrets of the Sith, which was released most recently. And uh, for any of you guys who uh, who didn't pick it up or didn't know about it, there is a book out there called Secrets of the Jedi. And uh, this was an in-universe sort of based canon book, I imagine, where uh, various characters kind of like had some stuff to say in the in the book. It was like uh, it filled in some holes here and there. Uh, it, it kind of told about force powers and this and that. They're basically the more canon versions of the old EU books, which was known as the Book of or the Jedi Path and the Book of Sith. Uh, those were two books that came up before the Disney purchase and were technically uh, not they were decanonized you can still find new new republishes of them on the shelf and they're very cool i have the vault editions of these two books but uh these new ones that have been coming out secrets of the jedi secrets of the sith they've uh, uh taken advantage of the fact that they were published of course where in the disney era where they have all the sequel plot lines and all this and that so in this new uh in this new novel or this new tie-in book i guess they, they could call it uh, it says this about um, this is a Screen Rant article, and it's short enough that uh, we can just read it and kind of go through it because it's pretty interesting stuff. The Star Wars tie-in book has finally revealed Palpatine's real plan for Rey in Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Darth Sidious considered himself a master planner. He rather liked to brag that everything was proceeding as he had foreseen, but in truth, the secret of his success was his very adaptability. Palpatine had the ability to create opportunities out of out of threats. Uh, sounds like a promotional for LinkedIn or something. Until his eventual plans became sophisticated cobwebs in in which his enemies were trapped. Uh, Order sixty six, the culmination of the Clone Wars, should be considered the best example. Master Sifo Dyas became a threat to the Emperor's plans when he began receiving visions of the coming Clone Wars. And he asked the Kaminoans to create a clone army that he believed would help uh, the Jedi survive. When Palpatine learned of this, he had his apprentice Count Dooku, ironically childhood best friend of sifo kill the Jedi Master and take over the clone program. With inhibitor chips implanted within the clones that would allow Palpatine to take control of them when the time was right. And so Palpatine's greatest success was born from the crisis that could have been his undoing. Lucasfilm's book, Secrets of the Sith, purports to be written from Palpatine's perspective. The final notes are clearly written just before the Rise of Skywalker's timeline of events. Coincidence. Um, And they reveal the Emperor's original plans for his granddaughter. It seems Palpatine originally intended Ben Solo to become the host of his Force presence, explaining why he had gone to such lengths to trap Kylo Ren in the dark side. He would have then allowed Rey to become Empress, ruling alongside him. Although, of course, it is unlikely Palpatine considered this a potential partnership of equals. Palpatine's plans must have changed when Kylo Ren began to escape the dark side. Liberated first by Rey's use of Force Heal, and then by a last loving message from his mother, Leia Organa. Secrets of the Sith helps explain the odd contradictions in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, confirming Palpatine was adapting at speed to circumstances that he had most certainly not foreseen. 
It further suggests the vision of it sounds almost like we're talking to the executives of the movies here. Yeah, uh, I felt it, that <laughs> the, yeah, the circumstances they had not foreseen. Uh, the Last Jedi, everybody. Uh, it further suggests the vision of Dark Ray seen in The Rise of Skywalker on the Death Star. One of the most chilling moments in the entire sequel trilogy was sending from Palpatine himself a hint of the future he envisioned for his granddaughter. The Emperor's plans failed, of course, in part because he had underestimated the liberating power of the light side in Star Wars. He adapted, deciding to take Rey as his host instead. But he then failed again to realize she was part of a Force dyad, and she refused to kill him in anger and hate, an act that would have left her open to being possessed by his spirit. However, much to the Emperor... Uh, tried to pretend to be in control of the events. By the end of The Rise of Skywalker, he was suffering one setback after another, and until finally Rey killed Palpatine with his own Force Lightning. And thus is the real end of Palpatine right there. Wasn't he sucking her... I felt like he was sucking her essence out and, like, not... Yeah. wasn't transferring. He was pulling stuff, like, energy out, and he was healing in the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was he was like once he realized that she was part of a force dyad and he she wouldn't join him kind of thing. He's just like, well, then, you know, I'll just suck the life out of both of you guys and, you know, restore my rightful body kind of thing. Right. Like, that's kind of what he was thinking, because like, well, he went to so much effort to make Ben Solo the candidate for his him being the vessel and then uh, Ray being his new apprentice. I guess, but then the plan changed when when Ben Solo was healed and got redeemed. Now Ray is going to be the vessel, and then in in the same movie, the plan changed again a second time when Ray decides not to join him or strike him down so that she can be the vessel of his spirit, kind of thing. Uh, and instead, he changes the plan again once he finds out that it's a diet going on. He's like, "Oh well, I can just restore the health of my own body and you know make do without both of these guys." So. I'm curious why he had to go through such lengths to prepare Ben. Because he was when we met him, he was yeah. already the dark side. Why couldn't he just do it then? Well, because he made. <laughs> I mean, like we're we're all trying to make sense of this story. But he like he made Snoke to be this figure that would then lure him away from the Jedi ways and and into. The dark side of the force right like that's kind of the the plan that he had which is kind of what i guess the reason for snoke to exist that's kind of it didn't leia say that snoke was always around and like whispering in his ear snoke yeah snoke was like a figure that had made appearances to the galaxy and to other to i guess luke as well like even prior to uh him being this I don't know this villain. I guess like like they had mm-hmm. like he had had run in run ins with the characters before. It's just very vague as to when that when that happened. And again, this kind of goes back to the rise of Kylo Ren comic book miniseries. That's kind of crucial into understanding how any of this stuff kind of came about in the first place. And uh, this is all very confusing. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like in that story, Snoke shows up and he he kind of like. He's kind of like the snake in the garden, so to speak. Like he just kind of, you know, whispers Ben in Ben Solo's ear, kind of thing. Is like, hey, guess what? You don't need this guy or whatever. You can do what you want. And 
And uh, anyway, when it comes time to um, the, the, the events of The Last Jedi are changed just a little bit in a, in a perspective manner. Because in the movie, it's very much meant to be like, oh, this is his perspective. That's his perspective. But the comic book is supposed to be the authentic story as to what actually happened. And um, uh, I don't want to get into what happened because, you know, that's not really the focus. But basically, um, yeah, Snoke just kind of comes out of nowhere in this story and shows up and he's living on that, uh, that space station that you know, you and I are talking about that showed up in the high Republic book. And, um, and Snoke in this book is referred to as a force proxy, which means that he's kind of his own person, but he's also being like kind of controlled through the force by Sidious. If that makes any sense. It's like this weird thing that's never really been a thing until until I guess they decided to bring Palpatine back in the in behind the scenes kind of thing. They're like, oh, what do we do with Snoke? Oh, let's just make him a, a puppet, literally, right? Like, like yeah. you know, he can't operate unless Palpatine's alive, you know, doing his thing from far away on Exegol. So we saw um, Palpatine also had dozens of more Snokes and tanks. Yeah, yeah. So like, I think was, there were maybe those were failed experiments or whatever. And of course, we so have why the would whole, they keep them there? I, I don't know, right? Like that's kind of the question, right? Like maybe maybe he was still playing He's with making the more idea. new ones. Yeah, or maybe he was never stopping the experiments of Snoke anyways. Just maybe he thought like, oh, well, if you know, making Snoke worked out as far as making a force user goes, maybe I can make one that doesn't have a soul so that I can put my soul into that body instead because he's trying to constantly come up with ways to survive, right? So I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense of all this in my yeah. head. This is not written down anywhere. But um, and then of course gonna, the Mandalorian. Add, yeah. Well, the Mandalorian plays another step into this, right? Because we had that one episode where I don't know. In my opinion, there were Snoke's in those tanks. It, it could have been something else, but in that one episode where they go to the Imperial base, mm-hmm. it looked like Snoke to me. I so. think they're doing they're doing something, some sort of. And we know it's yeah. going to be Force user because why else would they need Grogu's blood? Right, and we were also led to believe that Snoke is a clone of Luke. <laughs> yeah, a clone of Luke's hand. Uh, they used Luke's hand as a source when making Snoke. This was also in the the more recent Darth Vader comic book series, uh, which takes place between Episode Five and Six. So, if any of you guys are interested in reading that story, definitely pick so that really, up. It's kind of weird. Snoke is Luke's brother. Yeah, in a way, uh, in a way, Snoke is the child of. Luke Skywalker and Palpatine. How crazy is that? <laughs> maybe a bit of Baby Yoda mixed in there. Yeah, yeah, maybe a bit, little little bit of Grogu. Yeah, it's <laughs> the Grogu ears. In the mix. So if yeah, you want to see what would it, what it would look like if you took Yoda and Luke and mashed them together, now we know that makes so much it's sense. <laughs> that makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it looks all like messed up. Yeah. Like a, like a human flesh-toned Yoda with a wrinkly skin and like, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, obviously it's really messed up, and that's why his body is all deformed and like haunched yeah, over. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Now now all this starts to make a little more sense. Okay, I have like a half a percentile more respect for the loose <laughs> hand in the tank thing. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, the webs um, we weave. Oh, man. Oh, man. Trying to make sense of these movies. 
All right, let's. Uh, well, that's the news, everyone. So you know, lots of Star Wars stuff to talk about, and of course, now we have our what happened to Quin- what happened with Quinlan Voss. Uh, it's been a while since we did what happened. When was the last character that we did? Oh I'm gosh, so long ago. Was it? Is either Ahsoka or Darth Maul? I think. I think it was Ahsoka. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think Ahsoka might have been our last one. This was. Uh, this was Tell before. Didn't we before, also oh, it was one on the dark saber? Oh, it right. was it was Echo. Echo was the the last one we did on June seventh. So, uh, for any anyone who's new tuning into the series, um, we've got a lot of different sub series on the show, which tend to have uh, the same general kind of titles through it. Uh, we had a series of Bad Batch reviews, which are all labeled and numbered the same way. We've got our Lightspeed series, which is like Star Wars news and headlines in under fifteen minutes. And we have our What Happened series, which is getting into the history uh, from beginning to end of a character in the entire uh, uh, timeline of canonicity with that character, whether it's a book or a comic or a movie appearance or whatever. We talk about all of it in in a row and kind of break down the overall Star Wars arc of this character. Um, Getting into characters that, of course, the story will expand, like the Echo one this and that with, of course, Bad Batch season two coming out next year. Uh, you know, that episode will be very quickly outdated when that happens. But, uh, you know, it's it's a, just a nice way of catching you guys up on, you know, what happened with these characters. That way you can go into the book of Boba Fett and know exactly what actually happened with some of these characters that were relevant to the story. I know we did one on Bo-Katan, uh, which was very useful to anyone watching the Mandalorian. So all those things you can search up on the uh, podcast feed. Just scroll back all the way, all the way to the beginning of time, and you'll find a lot of cool stuff back there, including the Clone Wars talk, which was a great sub show about Clone Wars. So Quinlan Voss, that's our latest character of choice. Uh, reason for choosing this character at the time, uh, right now, I guess. Um, I'm going to make the argument that, uh, well, it was a quick subject to kind of just research and, and get into. He's, he's a character with not a lot of appearances. But additionally to that, it's a character that's never really been confirmed to have died, which is one of the more interesting things about this character because, uh, well, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, do you want to he's go through also, the appearances? Well, something I also want to touch on that's really unique to him is he – it has a really rare force ability that was invented for his character that is canon. It isn't an EU thing. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um, so this uh, actually, yeah, let's so let's let's break down this character. He's from the planet Kifu. He's got a green lightsaber, yellow tattoos on his face, dreadlocks. He's the guy that so acts like a surfer dude. He's actually and- not human. Uh, yeah, I guess technically not. He's more like a caveman species. He's like well, a... He's apparently called a Kifar, is his race. A, a Kifar, right. Yeah. yeah, and they're near human, like Seven Planet Kifu. Uh, although, they, although they appear human, Kifar are distinguished by their scarlet blood and facial tattoos, which indicate their clan affiliation. All right, interesting. Interesting. It's interesting that he has the tattoos, even though he's kind of he's supposed to be a Jedi and severed the ties with his previous life, but he still kind of maintains that cultural could have aspect about him. Done to the, their children at birth though. Right. Yeah, that's true. Actually, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they're permanent tattoos. Yeah. You never know. 
Um, but yeah, you're saying uh, he's got a he's got a rare force gift, uh, which is known as psychosis. Uh, he's also an expert tracker. Um, his apprentice was Ala Sakura, which is kind of cool. I know uh, who's the blue Twi'lek that shows up in Attack of the Clones and uh, uh, in the Clone Wars. But uh, let's talk for a moment about psychosis, because uh, this force power has shown up a few times now, it, more recently and more prominently in Jedi Fallen Order. Anyone who played Jedi Fallen Order, uh, Cal Kestis is the main character in that video game, and he touches objects, which then uh, spark a memory or a fragment of a story. Uh, and he can learn a little bit about uh, people and uh, the history of that object uh, when he makes contact with it. Um, physically, uh, the force tells him a little bit about where that's been. Um, a, a, an ability like this makes a guy who was already an, a gifted tracker in the first place, like Quinlan Boss, gives him an even higher edge when it comes to tracking because, you know, you can just touch anything and kind of get an idea for where someone's gone, which is pretty cool. It's even uh, interesting then to not to jump too far ahead, but when he he meets up with Asajj Ventress. She's a bounty hunter. And that skill would lend itself incredibly well to being a bounty hunter. Yeah, definitely. Totally. So during the Clone Wars, he partnered up with Obi-Wan Kenobi at one point to track down and arrest uh, the Hut Crime Lord Zero. Uh, this is after he escapes from the Republic prison. Uh, this took the show back to Teth, and uh, the hunt ended up a bust when they came across Zero's dead corpse. Battled it out with Cad Bane, who just killed Zero on behalf of uh, Sai Snoodles and the Hut crime family. Uh, they were after a, a journal, which belonged to uh, the, the father of those huts, and um, <clears throat> Zero controlled uh, uh, that aspect of power among the, the the hot crime lord family and they all had, wanted it so it was blackmail wasn't it he had blackmail and all the other crime lords yeah he did yeah mm -hmm. he did have blackmail yeah he information that the republic needed so the hot crime family decided you know what let's just off him and uh even though the jedi are looking for him and stuff like that we don't we're not gonna help them out we're just gonna send our own guy and do the job so Size Snoodles along with Cad Bane, they, they did the job. And it was a pretty cool episode. It was called The Hunt for Zero, which is pretty neat. So he that never was, showed up again in Clone Wars until the novel? He wasn't. No, he wasn't. supposed. Well, he was supposed to uh, because the Dark Disciple novel, which is uh, ma can, it, it's made up of eight unfinished Clone Wars episodes. And uh, one of those episodes was called Dark Disciple. But. Um, there's a all eight episodes have their own episodic names to them and are all listed in the front page of the novel. Uh, the novel is written by Christy Golden and it was released J July 7th, 2015. It was one of the first novels that they released in the canon and uh, it was prominently the third item on the list of the Clone Wars Legacy Project, which was a way to... Uh, keep Clone Wars alive even after Disney canceled it. Uh, I think Dave and the other cr members of the crew were very sad that a lot of these episodes were never going to be seen. Mm -hmm. uh, so Dark Disciple was one of those uh, avenues for them to adapt the scripts and get the canon story out there regardless. Uh, the other items were the Son of Dathomir Darth Maul comic book series, which adapted his story arc that happens between uh, his appearance in season five to his final appearance in season six. 
And uh, they also released proxy animation episodes for two story arcs. Uh, one story arc was called The Crystal Crisis on Utapau. And uh, it was like a detective thing with Obi-Wan and Anakin. And it was about the plot of Palpatine trying to get his hands on these giant kyber crystals for, of course, the Death Star. Uh, and then uh, the other story arc happened to be the Bad Batch story arc, which was then later completed and finished uh, in the final season of The Clone Wars, which is also known as season seven. And uh, then came the entire animated show that we just watched this past year. So lots of unfinished stuff going on. And Dark Disciple would have been a massive appearance. In it. He was going to be in all eight episodes. And uh, it was going to be a big story arc because, you know, like we were saying earlier, this story arc was originally something that the Dark Horse comic book series had a very extensive chapter for. So well-respected story by the fans um in yeah. the dark horse version was it asajj ventress or was that something dave filoni kind of like re, no, uh, I, reimagined? I think, I think that was something dave filoni kind of tied into the mix because i don't know and i and i really like this book like this is one of my favorite star wars books of all time like it's aside from the darth plagueis novel you know, this is probably the best canon novel that I've ever read. Um, partially because some of these episodes were not only written by uh, George's daughter, Katie, but they are Clone Wars episodes, and I'm a big Clone Wars fan. So to have these adapted scripts in a book format, when these lines are read out on the page, you can hear those voices in your head. If you've ever, if you've watched the entire show and you read a line from Obi-Wan or Ventress or whatever, it, it just sounds like what they would say because the same crew that wrote the episodes have written the dialogue for this novel. And then Christy Golden has, of course, expanded upon that and turned it into a full-fledged book. But, uh, but it's really, really neat because, you know, you get that authentic feeling that this is part of the Clone Wars. So... You know, anyone and who is a Clone Wars fan should read this book. How cool would it have been if the audiobook version, they had got the original cast? Oh, that would be really cool. If they did a dramatized version of this, this would be this would be the bomb. Honestly, like that that's a great suggestion because they have been nailing it with uh, a lot of these audible exclusive kind of things recently. You know, they've been doing uh, they did a Dr. Afra adaption of the comic. They did uh they did the uh, more recently. They did the Tempest Runner with the High Republic. They also had Dooku Jedi Lost, um, and uh, yeah, if they did uh, a, I know there is an audiobook for this book, but if they did a new one that was like, you know, the original Clone Wars cast the, all playing, yeah, their like characters. it was like a fully dramatized version with the original cast. That would be fantastic. Yeah, probably probably one of their best ones if they, you know, yeah, if they did. Man, it's, not, it's kind of surprising they didn't do it on release. It's kind of a missed opportunity. I guess, it you know, is, the yeah. everything was kind of in flux at the time because it, this was before Disney had really released pretty well anything. Mm-hmm. I don't even think the first film was out yet. Yeah, no, I know. I, uh, it was right when they had launched or announced, I guess, uh Star Wars Rebels and Force Awakens was kind of like around the corner. Okay. Yeah. Cause this was 2015 that this book came out and it was that following, it was that same year, December 
that Force Awakens hit the theater. So, yeah. Um, so in this story arc of Dark Disciple, Voss partners up with Asajj Ventress on behalf of the Jedi Council, who agreed collaborating with Dooku's former apprentice could bring them one step closer to killing the man. They tasked Voss with the assassination of Count Dooku. Uh, let's just stop there for a sec, because this this I remember in the book being a, a really pivotal moment. Um, and uh, it, it really stands out as a chapter because it really shows you just how far the Jedi Order has fallen. Uh, yeah. To recruit one of their own Jedi Masters to act as an assassin. Yeah. Uh, desperate move really desperate move and you start to question with this point like the line between jedi and sith is blurring yeah yeah exactly the and the light between you know what's right and what's wrong right and like you know it's cutting down a man in the heat of battle because he attacked you first right like that's kind of the mentality of the jedi where it's like you know a, a jedi does not seek out uh war or does not seek out conflict uh, action or whatever conflict yeah and it's like a a, a jedi only uses the force for knowledge and defense right that's what yoda says but yoda saying that of course in retrospect in perspective of the decisions that he's made in the past that have led to his mistakes you know the yoda that's teaching luke on dagobah is the failed master yoda right He's had an extra 15 years to think about, or like almost 20 years to think about what's happened. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, there's that, like the line that he has in Revenge of the Sith when he, when he's like defeated by uh, Palpatine is really a moment where he says, he he doesn't just say failed I have because he lost the fight. He says that and it it, it has everything to do with it. Like he's talking about the last 20 years. He's talking about everything, right? He's not just talking about falling down, losing his lightsaber and, and, and that's it, right? Like he's really getting at the fact that as Grand Master Yoda, he failed the Republic. Like he failed the galaxy. Um, so he's the perfect character to pop up and, and tell Luke Skywalker, you know, that failure is the best teacher, right? In The Last Jedi. That's actually one of the best parts of that movie is like when he shows up. Uh, and because he really That's has a pretty this harsh, authentic. Pretty harsh lesson though, you know, failure it is a, to, yeah. to learn from and the galaxy turns into darkness for 20 years. Yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's a really harsh lesson to learn. I think like, I think, I guess... From the George Lucas movies that we've seen, though, like that's the case, right? Like both Obi-Wan and Yoda are these failed Jedi masters that have had their they've had their mistakes. Like Obi-Wan has failed Anakin and Yoda has failed the Jedi. And, you know, it's like the the Jedi's failed the Republic and the Republic has failed the galaxy. It's all just fallen apart. Um, So Yoda's the perfect guy to show up and talk to Luke and say, like, hey, failure is actually a really good teacher, Um, you know, don't need to you know kill yourself because of uh but you know uh but yeah it's uh it's i've always thought that part was really really well done and and uh the fact that yoda's in the room when they recruit voss to act as an assassin on their behalf um to kill yoda's former apprentice is like he doesn't speak up does he he's like this is what we gotta do yeah yeah he doesn't really say anything against it um, but the book does get into his just a little bit about how he's feeling. And 
It's good. It's a really good scene. Uh, the scene before it in the novel, the very first chapter, is a chapter of the Separatists just blowing up a whole ship full of civilians. That's it. Like, it was just... It starts off kind of weird because you're in the perspective of this young girl and uh, she goes to she's just running around the ship trying to find her family. And these things are all going around her on around her. And if you don't really read carefully to pay attention as to what is happening around this girl in the room and all that stuff, uh, it's easy to miss. But it wasn't until the second time I read the book that I really understood the gravitas of that chapter, because it's really just painting this picture right off the bat. The separatists have gotten, well, Dooku himself has just gotten to this super low point of, you know, this used to be about politics. And now it's just, now it's just, he's just killing people, right? For the yeah. sake of killing people, right? And so the Jedi just, just don't know what evil to do for anymore. the sake of evil. Yeah. And then the, you know, the Jedi just, it's like he's gotten more Sith-like, right? And it's like the Jedi just don't know what to do anymore. Like they're, they're overwhelmed and they just need this guy gone. And uh, so they've resorted to kind of one of their lowest moments uh, of taking one of their own and and saying, well, this guy's kind of edgy, you know, maybe he'll be up for it. He's the he's the outsider here. He's the one that blends in. He does all the tracking for us. Let's get him to be an assassin. Uh, but he knows nothing about Dooku or, you know, being an assassin or anything. So they say, well, Kenobi speaks up. And he said, well, I, I think I know someone who can help. So they recruit Ventress to kind of come in uh, because at this point he's aware of the fact that she's a bounty hunter and this and that, and you know that they might be able Plus, to trust her. Her connection to Dooku makes her a, a perfect candidate for someone who's going to try to track him down. Yeah, yeah, just because totally. she knows him so well. And on top of that, when she went back and joined the Night Sisters, she tried to yeah. assassinate Dooku herself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's been trying to kill Dooku uh, on countless occasions, and and. Uh, you know, she did save Obi-Wan from Maul and Savage Press. So I think Obi-Wan's got a little bit of respect for her at this point. And so, you know, having her in the in the room and everything and explaining the situation to her is like, uh, well, actually, that that technically doesn't happen until later, because at first they recruit Voss to be like a spy that tries to kind of like say, hey, let's just do this together. And, and she's not supposed to know that he's a Jedi, but, you know, it, it one thing works out to the next where you know she ends up finding out anyways right um but uh, you think she sensed the force in him yeah you'd think yeah and he does a really good job of hiding it throughout the course of the book but i think it's at the halfway point that she figures it out um but it's it's really uh it's really really good like i love this story so much um and uh in the in an attempt to uncover the identity of Dooku's master because it gets to the point where Voss is like so engrossed in being this uh, eventually he kind of gets like to the, be this uh this double agent in a way like he's he's he gets close to Dooku in a way that Ventress um isn't able to at one point and uh, he pretends to or starts to be kind of sucked in to Dooku's lies and schemes and everything and um anyway i think what he what he does at one point is he realizes like oh hey we have a chance here not only just to kill dooku like if we kill dooku we kill dooku we actually have a shot at killing his master because at this point they find out that dooku's actually not the master they find out that dooku's actually the apprentice so they decide well there's this shadow figure we know nothing about uh let's try and figure out uncover the identity about who dooku's master really is 
and uh, Voss is kind of succumbed to the dark side of the force. He becomes Dooku's apprentice and a couple months go by and he serves the Confederacy as Admiral Enigma. Uh, and at the end of the book, um, things work out a little differently where um, Dooku is being pursued by the Jedi. Uh, he learns that Voss's plan is to actually kill him. Um, and uh, he uh, tries to kill him with force lightning, but... Uh, Ventress stands in the way and saves Quinlan's life. There's this whole kind of like romance thing between Ventress and Voss at this point. And uh, she actually sacrifices her own life uh, for Voss's. And after Dooku escapes, Ventress, Ventress's sacrifice helps. The, you know, it's the final straw to break Voss free of the dark side. And uh, she dies in his arms. And it's like, it's it's a really, really good story. Like it's a full, it's a full arc redemption story for Voss for Ventress and in a way it kind of shows the Jedi their error because they realize how fall they've how far they've fallen as well. Um but at do that they point, actually realize that themselves? They actually Yeah, they do because when Voss Yeah, because when Voss turns to the dark side, they they're all blaming themselves. Like this is, was our fault. Like we told him, you know, we gave him this mission, right? Like, and that was, that was kind of the, um, it, I mean, we're, we're just going point form here, but like the actual, uh, series of events that leads up to him joining the dark side for a very short while there, uh, is very authentic and it makes sense. Like in, in the moments that you're kind of reading this, this story unfold, uh, it, it does a lot of, uh, authentic justice to the character as well as, um, as well as like a lengthy process, whereas a lot of people find that sharp turn for Anakin very like quick, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh well, y- why would he turn to the dark side so quickly, right? But you know, if you watch the Clone Wars, it's like, oh, there's a bit of a process there, and it's the same with this book. Like throughout the whole course of the book, it's a journey for Voss, it's a journey for Ventress, um, and uh, those two characters really are the stars of that of that book. So it's been a long time since I read this book. I recall uh, really enjoying it when I did read it, but it was several years ago now. I'm yeah. trying to remember what was the circumstance that actually led to Quinlan becoming Dooku's apprentice. There was a, there was a moment where they were face to face in battle, and uh, I believe he uses Ventress against Voss. He kind of makes Ventress out to be a character who's using Voss to get what she wants and he 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 has like a bunch of kind of half truth half lies that he kind of throws at him and that's kind of what tips him over the edge and then it's of course dooku's very smooth talk and you know all truth and you know the uh you know how he is i mean even in a time yeah and very like manipulative yeah by using like raw truth about some things right like like with kenobi like he's like you know the 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 Sith have control of the Senate, my friend. You should join me, and we can destroy this Darth Sidious, right? Like he tells him everything, right? True. And in the in the Clone Wars, he even has a little moment when when Kenobi and Anakin are tracking down this um, the whole Sifo-Dyas arc, where they you know find his um, collaborate, I guess, or the the guy who knows a little bit about. Sifo-Dyas because he used to work for the old uh, the old Chancellor Valorum and all this and that. Um, he uh, comes face to face with them on uh, Obadiah, 
the Pike Syndicate planet, and they have a lightsaber duel there. And there's like this line that Obi Wan gets thrown at by by Dooku. He's like, "I told you everything you needed to know on Geonosis all those mm-hmm. years ago, Kenobi." And uh, it's like, "Yeah, you did, <laughs> but he just chose not to listen to you." Um, so in a way, it's he's a really manipulative guy because. You know, on the one hand, Dooku could just feed you pure truth. But on the other hand, he could just feed you pure lies. And you just never know what the truth is anymore. It's true. Um, and, you know, it's like it, that's just the nature of his manipulative structure, though, and how he gets Voss to join him. is like he, yeah. he confuses him to the point of, you know, tipping over. That makes sense. And something about Dooku is I think this is still canon but it was in the, in the Plagueis novel for sure, is he left the order and actually became a politician because he's... Yeah, yeah. His family was, line, uh, his family is uh, like a like a, a ruling family mm-hmm. of, a, of, of their home planet. Yeah, Sereno, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's actually in the Dooku Jedi Lost audiobook, uh, which is the canon story that they kind of recanonized a lot of that history. And um, Dooku basically finds out that he's got this family in a complete accident. Like he's just living his life as a Jedi. And in one of his missions, he just comes across his sister of all people. And and like they have this connection. He figures out who he is in terms of lineage. And he stays in touch with that person, even though he's not supposed to. And um, anyway, years go by and stuff like that. And that one thing leads to a next. And there's a whole story about that as well. But uh, it's the reason why he did leave the Jedi ultimately was not to join the Sith. It was actually, it was actually because he did have a passion for politics and he wanted, uh, he had different views, right? And he, he just left and took a whole bunch of senators with him kind of thing to form the Separatist Alliance. And that's what it actually says in the opening crawl of Attack of the Clones, right? It doesn't actually paint him as Darth Tyrannus. It says former Jedi Count Dooku or whatever has staged a, a coup almost like in the Republic, right? And led a bunch of people away and, and uh, they make it a very political thing, right? Uh, which is why when the movie starts off with the assassination of Padme, even though, even though it is him behind it, the Jedi don't believe that it's him because they're like, no, it's not in his character. I mean, he's a political idealist, not a murderer. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But in actual fact, they have no idea that he's become a Sith Lord. Right. Um, uh, there was a Marvel comic that I read in the uh, Age of the Republic series that was happening. It was like a bunch of uh, one shot comics that they had one story for like a series of villains and a series of heroes. One of them was just called Count Dooku. It was all about Count Dooku during the days of the, the early Republic, whatever. This was just after he left the order. But probably right around the same time that he became a Sith Lord. So he runs into a former Jedi. And this is the most interesting thing that happens because the Jedi recognizes him as Master Dooku. And he he's like, oh yeah, I think that he has a moment of recognition of like, yeah, that you left the order to be this political person or whatever. And then at the end of the comic book, he, Dooku ends up just turning around on this guy and just stabbing him in the back with his lightsaber. And he realizes it's red and just cannot believe what he's seeing right now and then he's dead so um yeah it's this really really like interesting kind of like oh yeah i guess i guess that battle of geonosis is really that moment that 
the Jedi kind of figure it out. But before then, they just think this guy's walked away for his home planet politics and everything. But um, throughout behind the scenes, it's never really like an in-focus character until Dooku Jedi. Yeah, because all I hear about is Darth Tyrannus, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, to get to the full story of Dooku, like we'll do a what happened about him someday because he's a fascinating character. And Christopher Lee's a genius. Oh, yeah. Um, nailed like, it. Just nailed that part so well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, we'll, we'll do one of those eventually on him. But we have to look at all these little fragments of the story to kind of piece together, uh, you know, his fall. Because it's not a story that's really told up in the open in the movies, right? It's just something he just pops up in the movies and he's there. But all this side material is, like, it's so good. Like, and he's got such a great arc as far as a character that would leave humble jedi-ness for power like it's it just makes sense and it's not a power that's like save your wife or become super powerful kind of power it's like power is like you can make a difference in the galaxy power mm-hmm. not yeah let's live life as a jedi and not make a difference because it's yeah. not making a difference right like that's what he was thinking and that's actually kind of the reality of the situation and, so, it, and, it, and it really falls in line with kind of the old saying like the like the rule of tyranny ruling of tyranny is paved with you know good intentions right yeah 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 exactly so uh yeah it's a fascinating character but um yeah quinlan voss uh he uh you know so he comes back uh to the light side after ventress sacrifice very sad death for ventress that's you know if anyone had did never it, heard this before spoiler alert did it make him full <laughs> light side again or is he more of like a gray jedi now at this point no, he's a full-fledged Jedi Master again. Yeah. Um, so they start him off slow, and then they then they put him back in the war and everything like that. And then during the final days of the war, in Revenge of the Sith, you get a little verbal cameo of the guy uh, where Master Voss has moved his Republic troops to Boss Pity, you know. Um, Kenobi gives Anakin the rundown of the briefing that he missed because he was with Padme. Uh, and uh, that was shortly before Order 66, and then is a final mention of uh, appearances that goes after the fall of the Jedi Order. Voss was amongst those the Galactic Empire presumed to have survived the Jedi Purge, uh, and we have not been told about any other stories ever since. Uh, it was a, a, a name on a hologram in uh, the Dark Lord, the Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith comic book series from 2017. Four volumes long, it was uh, kind of the story of Darth Vader right after Episode 3, the creation of the Inquisitorius, uh, Vader's castle, all that stuff. Um, It was really cool. Uh, How he gets his lightsaber crystal, all that stuff, that was all in that series. And uh, when he goes on a spree kind of looking for Jedi that are still alive, uh, Quinlan Voss's name is on the list of unconfirmed deaths. So... Hmm. He could come up. He might you never not. Know. Who knows? Maybe you he's dead. Know. Maybe he's not, right? Leaving right, it gray. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, exactly. I was almost playing with the idea in my head here. Like maybe because he's already turned to the dark side once. Maybe he became an inquisitor. But obviously then they would know what happened to him. So yeah, be that. And, and at this point we kind of know all the inquisitors anyway. They kind of confirm that it caps out at like 12 or whatever it is. And we've seen them all. So I don't um, know if I buy that because I've I've played Force Unleashed and I've killed at least forty. 
<laughs> That's no longer canon. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day it'll be canon. Yeah, one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's Quinlan Voss, and you know he's a character that had a full a full fledged story arc of some kind in Dark Disciple. You know, we got a little hint of him in the earlier episodes of the Clone Wars, some cameos here and there, and an unconfirmed death. Um, what do you think of this character? I think he's really interesting. I really enjoyed um, just the level of detail. Look, kind of what you've just kind of brought, I've been sharing. I feel like they took another character and had him turn to the dark side and come back, but not just be the typical he fell in love sort of repeat cycle, which we kind of just keep seeing over and over again, right? right. So a different storyline. And they, I recall really enjoying how believable it was. Mm-hmm. Like, because that was one of the things that I used to have a really hard time with the the films with was Anakin turns. So you, like the story points were there. Like he wanted to save his wife, but it still felt really like clunky. Yeah. For example, when he's talking to to Palpatine at the opera, and Palpatine starts like revealing this information to him, and he just he just never questions it. Like right, the, the yeah. story of Darth Plagueis, it's just like, I guess it makes sense that this guy would just know these stories. It's just like, maybe do a little more research, you know, look into it a little deeper. <laughs> I guess the thing is, he's known him for so long, right? Like he's like a granddad weird. to him. It is weird. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but Palpatine is like, you know, he meets Anakin when he's like 11 and this is like, you know, 12, 13 years later kind of thing. So maybe he just, he's very personally attached Anakin like to Palpatine which is probably why he buys it um but yeah I see what you're saying like it can be a, like as an audience member it can be a little harsh to like watch him like believe that yeah. he believes it um and I, I will also add that the Clone Wars animated series definitely oh, yeah, smoothed that over a lot yeah made it a lot more believable adding a lot more yeah. reason to see why Anakin would be so naive in that situation right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But back on Voss, uh, because he's he's always been kind of a gray Jedi and not just a, a goody good kind of, as we picture Obi-Wan for the most part, even though he's become a little more gray as well through the Mandalorian arcs. But uh, that's always been something that I've been uh, drawn to him about. And I, I would enjoy some sort of arc or story beyond uh, what we know of him so far, I would love to see him become a bounty hunter. Like maybe pick up where Asajj Ventress left off. Yeah, yeah. And and speaking of Asajj Ventress, I mean, like, you know, to go back to what you're saying about this character not having the typical, uh, you know, redemption story, uh, it's, it's true because we've never seen a character who's intentionally had to learn from a dark side user in order to achieve his goal, only to then slip into the dark side himself whilst redeeming the the dark person he was Spider, learning yeah. from, which was Ventress, right? Like Ventress is redeemed because of Voss, right? And then Voss is then later redeemed because Ventress has seen the light through him. And it's this kind of like, symbiotic relationship like what george would want in a movie right and you know you start to realize like oh yeah this isn't just a single-sided thing like you know this isn't just a single-sided this person's redeemed because this person loved him uh this is a 
this person was redeemed because this person realized they could love somebody. And that was like the most hmm. uh, new and interesting part to this love story redemption that I'd never seen in Star Wars before. Um, in a way. We also love- don't see Jedi that fall in love, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then keep their job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, most of the Jedi that fall in love and, you know, they end up getting fired or leave the order or whatever. It's really just like Anakin who keeps it a secret and then it ends up, yeah. you know, ruining him in the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it's uh, it's one of these things that I guess she dies and then it's no longer an issue, which, you know, it's kind of a little harsh to say. But um, but yeah, it's... Um, she uh the last chapter in the book which is one of the more impactful chapters as well um has Voss take her body back to Dathomir and uh, Kenobi goes with him as well as just as a friend and uh and they uh they have a small uh funeral service for her in a way like a little burial and uh, they put her into the the magic waters that they have there in Dathomir, which they call the water of life. And uh, her body is just kind of like taken back to where it belonged uh, with her sisters who are all now dead and gone because of the massacre that happened, you know, for Grievous and all that uh, in season three or what three or whatever it was. But uh, I just thought it was a very, very like solid story. Um, and you know, Voss, like for a character that we hadn't spent much time with at all, uh, mm-hmm. was almost reforged and, and, and completely fleshed out in the dark disciple series, uh, of arcs of, of episodes that is, and, uh, you know, and this, the single book has all of it. He could, he could easily with this one book become someone's favorite character overnight, you know? Someone, it's if the fu- right person were to read it. It's funny though, because I agree with that. But I'd always thought there was he showed up in the Clone Wars animated series more. Yeah, I think he's got like some background appearances here and there. And then he's got the one episode that he's in with Obi-Wan trying to track down Zero. But that's it. Because I, I, I thought about it too. And I was like, isn't he in more episodes? But then I, you know, after thinking about it, I was like, oh, I guess... I guess not. He's like walking down the Jedi halls and stuff, maybe, and that's it. Like it that's was so just strange. Because really... like, yeah, and just yeah. thinking back, like I, I seem to recall him being a lot more prominent. Not like every season, but I thought there was like at least four or five episodes that he was involved in at some level. Right. Yeah, not a lot, not a lot there. Um, yeah, Dark Disciple would have been the brunt of it. And then uh, there's, of course, no telling as to uh, there's 20 something odd episodes that we have zero idea as to what happened in those, like aside from some like concept art from George from Dave's uh, sketchbook. But uh, he may have made another appearance or two after that. Um, maybe he'll show up in Bad Batch, right? Like maybe maybe he will survive the purge and we'll see him as a recurring Jedi character in the Bad Batch because uh, and he's a good candidate because he is kind of edgy and a bit of an outsider. And uh, he he would naturally kind of be the kind of guy that would connect with those clones. And uh I've always felt um as a Star Wars show without any kind of force user present in the group tends to uh 
not suck or whatever, but like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think it's of the lacking right something. It's lacking something. Yes. Like I remember watching behind the scenes of Rogue One. The entire purpose for Chirrut Inway to exist in that story was because there was no Jedi in the movie. And they felt like they needed the Force present in some form in that story, right? Like whether it was this guy or whatever, like they needed something that kind of had the Force in it to make it feel like Star Wars. And not that the Bad Batch doesn't feel like Star Wars, but I'm just picturing the show going on for four seasons long. And it, it would be nice to have a Force user show up at some point. Just saying. Like, you know, yeah. it's just a suggestion. I'm, I'm indifferent on it. I'm I'm happy to have some content that doesn't always have some sort of Jedi Force user, whatever. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, Mando's kind of like that, right? Like, Mando's like... I mean, aside from Luke and Ahsoka now. But season one was like all... Grogu. Guns. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, that that theory fell apart really yeah, quick. Uh, the secondary character. <laughs> but I get like he does most of the work. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like who knows? I mean, we're still we're still theorizing that Omega could be force sensitive or something. I don't know. It maybe maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. But. Um, Regardless, even if it's for just like a story arc of some kind, like Quinlan Voss would be a great addition to the cast, if if any, right? Like if I were to think of any existing character being able to fit in with those characters, it would be Quinlan Voss. No, that is a good point. Yeah. He would fit in with them quite well. And like he's pretty edgy. He could definitely take their, you yeah. know, like what they throw. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. Um but yeah, I mean, Quinlan Vos, I mean, my thoughts on the character, just, I, I love the character. I mean, it was Dark Disciple that really made me love the character. I never read the original Dark Horse series. Um, I know he was a big part of that one, but uh, was never really a, a character I was too much aware of. I had a Star Wars miniature of him for the longest time. I was aware of the character. I knew who he was, all that stuff. I just didn't know the 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 impact that he had in the story and uh you know and dark the dark horse comics they did some pretty crazy stuff at times but being an in canon story this dark disciple novel really really fits in well with the clone wars and with the saga and with uh this overall arcing of you know failureness on behalf of everybody you know and he's like a victim of all that stuff so uh was really really cool um to see all that stuff unfold and you know i'm looking forward to seeing more of him if they decide to do so so yeah i almost almost think that is the the craziest part at least for that novel is that the jedi did fall that far which is crazy yeah yeah, yeah Hiring i didn't one think of about that an assassin yeah yeah, yeah i didn't, pretty I didn't think stuff. about that before yeah <laughs> So uh, I guess that's that's it. That's our, what happened on Quinlan Voss. And if any of you guys want to shoot us an email or a Twitter or whatever, just uh, it's all listed in the description. We'd love to know your thoughts on the character. Um, next week we have uh, well, we'll have a topic next week. But uh, there's a, there's a there's a couple of posts I put out on on the social medias uh, asking uh, asking a question to everyone out there who saw the post. And the question is, uh, what is your most favorite scene in the entire franchise? And secondly, 
which character should we cover next in the What Happened sub-series. So if you liked this episode, let us know who you want to cover next. Of course, we do have Boba Fett up our sleeve, a couple other characters in the background, but, you know, which one should we prioritize? Let us know. Well, thanks for having me on. It's always a good time. I always love meeting up and chatting about the wars. Always. Always. Good to have you back on, of course, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Got a blast. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And real quick, if you have any interest in Quinlan Voss whatsoever, definitely pick yourself up a copy of Star Wars Dark Disciple in your bookstore or on audible.com. And if you have any interest in listening a little more about that character and Ventress on the podcast, we have our Clone Wars Talk Part 36, Dark Disciple, the Clone Wars Legacy episode that released Friday, July 3rd, 2020. And uh, you can hear all about the short story as well as the Dark Disciple novel. The short story is called Kindred Spirits. It was in Star Wars Insider. And Dark Disciple is the Christy Golan uh, Clone Wars adapted episodes. The episodes are listed as Lethal Alliance, The Mission, Conspirators, Dark Disciple, Saving Voss Part 1, Saving Voss Part 2, Traitor, and The Path. That is the name of each and every episode of the Clone Wars that never got told uh, in store in on screen that is and instead was told in the format of this book so if you have not read the book but you have seen the clone wars you have not finished the clone wars until you have read this book trust me it's a big part of it so that being said let us know your thoughts what character should we cover next on what happened and what is your most favorite scene in the entire star wars saga let us know at our twitter at sw escape podcast or instagram at sw escape podcast and our email sw escape podcast at gmail.com let us know give us a follow share this show with a friend it really helps us out a lot we'll catch you in the next episode guys and may the force be with you have a great week